Welcome, listeners, to another Transformation Church Sermon Podcast. Let's prepare our hearts to receive the Word of God. We're going to jump into the Word today. We're we're starting a new series called Side Hustle. Everybody say Side Hustle. Who's got a side hustle? Anybody got a side hustle in here? Yeah, everybody, everybody tries. We need a little side hustle. We want to have, you know, a little business on the side. A side hustle is a business where we make a little extra money on the side. We have a side hustle. Um, I, uh, I, I've had several. I've been trying to figure out over the years what my side hustle is, and uh, uh, my side hustle was paying for my kids. That was now I'm trying to figure out a side hustle uh, to give me money back because I've raised some kids. And so uh, we're going to talk about money. We're going to talk about money for the next three to four weeks. And so some of you are like, "Oh man, I, did, I came on the wrong Sunday." And uh, no, this is a good Sunday. Good Sunday for you to be here. Um, I believe that I could, uh, if you re- if you would receive what I'm going to begin to teach you over the next three to four weeks, um, the Word of God. If you re- receive that, it could change you. It could change your mindset. It could change your family. It could change generations to come in your family. It really could change things. Um, it's a very big message. Jesus uh, is very interested in your finances. Jesus cares very much about your money. I think we as Christians forget how much he really cares. We know he cares about healing, and we know he cares about prayer, and we know he cares about our faith, and we know he cares about theology, and we know he cares about all those things, but I think we underestimate how much he actually cares about our finances. So much so that a lot of times finances are left out of the faith picture. And so God, he talked about money. And God really, in the New Testament, can I tell you, one-third of the New Testament, Jesus talks about money. One-third. More than heaven and hell combined, he talks about money. And there's a, a main, main reason he talks about money. I'm going to get into that. Um, but I think it's important that you and I understand how much God is interested in the success of our finances. How much he wants us to be blessed, how much he wants us to prosper, how much he wants us to have uh, healthy mindsets about money. God's very interested in that. My kids, uh, they, watch, they listen to social media a lot and different reels, and uh, my two boys specifically. And how many of you have ever listened to some reel or something on social media about how to make money or how to market or how to sell a product or how to, how to make a million dollars in 52 days? Come on. Yeah, and so this funny meme came across my, or Rio came across my feed, and I sent it to both my boys. I don't know if I sent it to my daughter, but I sent it to both my boys, and, um, and so, because she didn't let me, have, actually, you didn't let me follow you on Instagram, so that's why I couldn't send it to you. <laughs> we know the real reason. Uh, <laughs> and so uh, I sent it to my boys, and, they, and, and it was this guy uh, just, just behind like all of the uh, technology to make a, a, a reel uh, or to make a podcast or whatever, and he's sitting there, and he just, he just looks in the camera, and he just starts going, beep, 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 beep. And then the caption said, better advice than 100% of the financial advice you get on social media. true. It's like, it's like there's so much noise. There's so much advice about money and with church and God and so much noise out there about how do I see my finances? What does God want? What does God see? I just want to, I just want to cut through all the noise. I want to cut through the today with the word of God. Can I cut through that with the word of God today? 
I want to bring you the word of God today. And I think it's important that we understand that God is interested in our money. Most people do money alone. Most, pe- most people get defensive about money. Most people right now, some of you are like, I can't believe he's talking about money in church. Um, most people get a little defensive about it, a little protective of it, a little bit weird, a little taboo. Don't talk about the money. Don't talk about the money. And, and we do that for several reasons, but God is interested. 87% of people worry about money daily. Uh, the number one cause of divorce is not communication, it's money. Probably communication about money. Um, the top five reasons for depression and anxiety is money. It's in the top five. It's money. We worry about money. Uh, wh- why should I talk about money? Why- no wonder the enemy wants to make it taboo. No wonder the enemy wants us not to talk about it in a faith community. No wonder we're saying, hey, hush, hush, that's not, don't get involved in my money. Because it's, it's the number one destroyer of destinies. It's the number one destroyer of, of, of families and marriages and anxiety and worry. It destroys. And so, yes, the enemy would want us to be quiet, but no, no, no. God wants to get involved, and he's interested. Jesus talks about it all through the Bible. You and I have to talk about it. As your pastor, I have to talk about it. Four disclaimers before I get into a couple thoughts today, and then I want to pray for you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually give you a plan on money next week. I'm not going to give you the plan today. I'm gonna give you a good godly plan next week. Some of you are like, I want the plan. I'm, what I'm doing today is I'm trying to change your perspective because if you don't know how much God cares for you, you won't, you won't trust the plan. But if I can teach you how much God actually cares about your success and cares about finances, then actually you might go, okay, wait a minute, I can trust the plan that he gives me and that God says. So four disclaimers. Number one, we're not receiving any offering today. You could, you no, know, we're not taking up an extra offering not, anybody been in a church that passed buckets twice? Come on, somebody. I've been in that church. <laughs> passed it twice. <laughs> you know, we, we're not doing that today. And so there's no, there's no sad songs and sad dogs in the wings of angels. There's none of that today. None of that. No manipulation. We, take, we, we receive one offering a year in December. The first Sunday of December, we receive an offering. We give a tithe challenge to our church, and we receive a radically uh, bold, unapologetic offering, a, a generous offering to fund and to believe God for the vision of our church and where we're headed. We do that one time a year. Everyone comes together and brings their best on that day. We do that, and we believe God, and God does miracles through that, but we're not doing that today. I, pray, I give you months to pray about that, actually. I don't, I don't want to manipulate. I ask you. The Bible says God loves a joyful giver. We, I don't, we don't manipulate. We say there's no thermometers, there's no things on the screen, there's no, it's one offering, it's bring your best, believe God, pray for a month, ask God what he'd have you do, and then radically obey beyond what you would do on your own faith. That's what we do that once, once a year, that's it. That's not today. So number one, uh, no offering today, I'm trying to teach you today. Number two, God does want your money. Like, God does, and I commend the wrong day to come to church. God does want your money. He does. Listen, listen to what I said. He wants your money. He does not need your money. He's got, he's got a thousand cattle. He's got cattle on a thousand hills. That's a lot of Ruth Chris restaurants all across the world. He's got filet upon filet upon filet upon filet. God does not need your money. He's an unlimited deity. He does not need our money. He wants our money. Somebody say, well, the church just wants my money. Yes, so does your mortgage company, and so does Verizon, and so does the cable company, and so does, why are you picking on the church? You don't say, man, Verizon just wants my money. No, you don't say that every month. Anyway, here's the, here's the reality. God wants, why, 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 why? Because he wants your heart. 
In Corinthians, it says they first gave their heart and their lives to God in the gospel, and then they gave their finances. God wants your heart. And I promise you, your heart and your, and your wallet are connected. There's a chain that connects your heart to your, to your, to your, to your wallet, to your money. It just, that's, just, that's just Bible. It's just life. It's just real. Let me prove it to you. Matthew 6, 21. Here's what I'm saying to you. God unapologetically and consistently talks about money because of Matthew 6, 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. For where my treasure is, there my heart is. Most people quote it backwards. For where your heart is, there your treasure will be. So when I feel like it, when it feels good, when I have a heart for it, I'll give into it. No, 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 that's opposite. God says where your treasure is, I'll put my treasure there and then my heart will follow. What I mean is that you cannot be um, emotionally connected if you're not financially connected. And if you're financially connected, you'll be emotionally connected. Let me prove it to you. Who's got some stocks in here? Anybody got some stocks they've invested in? Yeah. And so, so if the stocks that you've invested in, you are emotionally, you look at, you look it up. How's it doing? You check it on your phone. You see if the NASDAQ's going up and down. You see if the Dow Jones is going up and down. You're looking, is it up or down? You're invested and you want the company to do well. You want it to be run effectively because you're invested. I have Verizon. I don't have any stocks. I use Verizon. I don't have Verizon stock. I just use the company. I pay a monthly fee to get a service from Verizon. I do not care if Verizon is, is run well. I don't care how the, if the company, if the dividends are good. I don't care anything about Verizon except if my phone works every day. That's all I care about, right? Because I'm not invested. I'm paying for a service. I'm not emotionally connected to Verizon because I'm not invested. Many of us treat God, treat the church, treat the kingdom like that. Like what service is God providing? I'm upset because I'm not getting a service. I kind of give God a little bit of my resources, but it's not the full of what he asked for in the Bible. And it's just now I'm a little upset because it's not servicing me the right way. Or church isn't servicing me the right way. That's not it. But when you begin to give your resources, all of a sudden now your heart follows. And now you're emotionally connected into the success of the kingdom of God in a different way. Does that make sense? God is willing to talk about my money. He's willing to ask you and I to be radically generous over our lifetime to do things we would never do in our own strength and capability and to watch him get involved. I believe God can do radical miracles in your finances. I believe I've seen it over my life this last year. I believe God can do miracles in your money, and I believe he can do radical things. You just have to begin to see how God wants you to see it. The third disclaimer, there's usually several filters that people have seen money through when it comes to church, or the church has painted several filters and um, ways we see it, or let me say this, different motivations for generosity. There's three main motivations for generosity, and I want to kind of give you a disclaimer. The first motivation for generosity, many of you have seen it, been turned off by it, it's called the prosperity gospel. Prosperity gospel. If, if, I, if I give, I'll get. If I give, I'll receive. And, and look, that's the Bible. Give and receive. Give and watch the windows of heaven open and pour. But the motivation, if you're doing it through that motivation, like give, come on, y'all have all been in the, watch the TV, the TV guy lean up over the TV and say, yeah, I can sense if you give that $75 seed, that's $75 seed, 75, 75, 75, 75, I can sense that $75 seed's on the way. $75 got a word from God. $5,000 got a word from God, 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 $5,000. Car is on the way. I can sense it. We've all, we've all been turned off by that. That's, cool. That's the prosperity. That's not giving. That's transaction. That's like if I give, like I'm going to get something. That's the wrong motivation. The, the second motivation, the prosperity gospel is give to get something. The second motivation is the poverty gospel. I just have stuff and it's just, I'm unholy. 
I shouldn't want to make money. I should, money's evil. Money's not good. I won't, why do I want to be successful? You got, and you have to give. You've got to give because if you want to make more money and you don't give it, then you're dirty and you're unholy and you can't have stuff. It came from the actual papal system, from, from, the, from the Roman papal system because spirituality uh, equated to poverty. Poverty equals spirituality. And the more you gave away, the more holy you were. And so they would actually take people's wealth to build giant golden cathedrals but leave everybody broke in Europe. It was, it was a false doctrine. It's a poverty gospel, and we never feel good enough, and we feel forced, and we feel unholy if we have money. I know churches that people go to, my friends, they feel bad because they make money. And then the church fleeces him. Can I tell you, that's not holy. That's, that, that's, that's humiliation. That's not holy. That's humiliation. It's like if you don't give, then you're unholy, and it's not good, and, I want, and you shouldn't make all that, and th- stuff is not good. I want to change that mindset. What we believe, we believe in a blessing gospel. I believe that the Abrahamic blessing that God promised to Abraham, you are my great, 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 great granddaddy in the faith, literally, that you have a blessing from Abraham. God said, I'm going to bless Abraham so much that he's going to overflow, and all the world's going to be blessed through Abraham. And that you and I are blessed, and your finances can be blessed, and mine can be blessed, so that you can be a blessing. So really, I say it this way. I give and we give to give. We give to give. We give to give. We don't give to get. Yes, when I give, there's outcomes. Obviously, if I plant apple seeds, I get apples. If I plant oranges, I get oranges. There's an outcome. There's an axiomatic with God, seed time and harvest time. Yes, but that's not the motivation. The motivation is how big of a blessing can our church be and can you be and can we be in our time on this planet and to do what God's called us to do, not through a prosperity gospel, not a poverty gospel, but joy and faith and believing God that we can actually be a blessing in the earth. It's powerful. God does want our money. It's not a poverty. It's not a prosperity. It's a blessing so that we can overflow. The fourth disclaimer is this. I am commanded as your pastor to teach and preach about money. Paul talks to Timothy, he's writing a book to to pastors, and he speaks to Timothy, Timothy was 23 years old, some 21 to 23, 21 to 25, somewhere there, and he's pastoring a 100,000 member church, Ephesus was a 100,000 member church, obviously that's why Paul said, hey, quit being so scared, it's okay, don't look down on your age, he's leading 100,000 people at 25 years old. And and so Paul gives a command to these pastors. He commands Timothy. So Paul's speaking to me as a pastor, and he's speaking to Timothy. And this is what it says in 1 Timothy 6, 17. Command, not, not suggest, command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who gives us richly, this is, who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Right there. Come on, that's theological and permission to buy the boat. Gives us all things to enjoy. That's theological permission to go shopping, ladies. Come on. That's theological permission to renovate the room. Right there. We, we, somehow we have a hard time equating enjoyment with God. Paul said right there, he gives, hey, don't, don't be haughty. Don't let your life revolve around riches. He, but, but honor him because he's the one that gives us all things to richly enjoy. It's all, it's, we, I mean, they were in the Garden of Eden, running around, not stressing, had fruit, food, had plants, had animals, had a great, were, were naked and unashamed, running around eating mangoes. That's a fun day. <laughs> ha, my wife hates me right now. I mean, just think about enjoyment. Like God's saying, you can enjoy it. Listen, but it says, don't, but God gives you everything. Don't let that be the motivation. Verse, verse 18, let them do good. Don't be haughty. Don't, don't let your life revolve around that, but let them do good. Listen to this, that they be rich in good works, that we be rich in good deeds, ready to give, willing to share, 
storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come that they may lay hold of eternal life. He's saying, hey, Pastor Jamie, hey, pastors, hey, Timothy, command those that are rich in this present age to actually build up a life for when they die, when they get to the other side of this planet, of this temporal life, when they stand in eternity, let them live in a way, command them to live in a way that there's a foundation of firmness that they've built up through the the generosity and the life and the giving and the radical life that they lived on this planet. My motivation is to help you when you get to the other side of this life, not just right now. And he says this, Paul says this, listen, that he provides all these things for us to enjoy. He commands us to do good works, to not small things, big things, radical things, to change our city and our nation and our church and our world. You're changing, I'm just telling you, you're changing the world. Every time you give here, you're changing the world. Every time you give here, churches are planted, souls are, you're going to get to heaven. I promise you, you're going to get to heaven and you're going to see your account just because you gave here. Nothing about us. We just, we just, we sow seed. We give away every, we give to give every month. We give above and beyond. We give away hundreds of thousands of dollars so that we can see things happen in the world. And we're going to get to heaven one day and you're going to see a parade of what your impact was on the planet through how you gave and the generosity of who you are. Here's what happens in this, in this verse. Most of you turned off or tuned out that verse when you heard, command those who are rich. <laughs> that ain't me. Thank God it ain't me. Not talking to me. Can I tell you that if you make $44,000 combined income in your home, you're the top 1% earner in the world? $44,000 combined, not, not per spouse, like combined. We know that that's tough, right? Like combined, like you, you're the top 1% in the world. You're so rich, you got rich people problems. Well, you, you, you left your house this morning and went to your other house. Like what are you talking about? You went, you, went, you went to this little house that holds all your clothes called a closet. You opened up that little house and you looked in there and you said, well, I don't have nothing to wear. And then you went to the other little house that, that houses all your food, your extra food called a pantry. You went to that little house, opened up that little room. And then you went to a house called a garage that has one, two, three, four. I don't know how many cars you got, but you opened up the garage. You went to that little. All I'm saying is you're rich. I'm rich. And, and that no one ever self-identifies as rich. We never do. You're never going to self-identify as rich. I'm trying to tell you that you're positioned to be a blessing right now. Not one day, I have people tell me, well, pastor, one day I'll give like that or I'll tithe when I'm blessed like you. You'll never be blessed like that. I gave when we had nothing. We gave when we had nothing. We gave when, I, when she made 16,000 a year and I made four. We made 20,000 a year between the two of us. And she put me through college. She made more, she made more four times than I made. My little $4,000, thank you, baby. It, it doesn't, it's not, it's not like you, you're blessed now. They did a poll, a Gallup poll, and they said, well, how much money does it take for someone to be rich in America, they asked, and people said $75,000. That was like the the consensus in America. Come on, some of y'all are like, dang, if you want to (laughs) eat, that's tough. Like, if you need need food, that's a little tough. I mean, thank God, that's a blessing, like $75,000, but like, that's not, that's not, I wouldn't consider that rich, right? And then they went and they did a poll of people that subscribed to Money Magazine. Come on, that's another level. If you, if you, if you subscribe to Money Magazine, you're another level rich. You know what I'm talking about? And so, um, if you, so they asked the Money Magazine people, like, how much, how much is it if to be considered rich? And they said, they said $5 million. But here's the deal. If you ask the folks that have $5 million in assets, if you have that, 
If they're rich, they're gonna say no. And they're gonna point to the next person that has the eight million or the 10 million. And here's my point. Money, rich is not about an amount. It's about a mindset. Rich for me and for you is about a mindset. So what I'm trying to do for me, rich is, a, is a, not a number. It's a, it's a mindset. Church, we are rich. God is asking me, asking you, how do we steward our, our life? How do we build a foundation to be postured to be a blessing? And so I think it's important. We all have a filter around money. We're either critical about it, stingy with it, speculative, scarcity, generous. There's all different mindsets. And so God cares about it because he wants our life to be blessed. And so I think it's important what's so good about this is that somebody is looking at my money. God is cares about my money. And so I'm not the only one carrying the pressure of my bank account. I'm not the only one worrying about my money. God's actually involved, actually looking at what I'm doing in my life and going, you know what? I care about that. That takes pressure off of me. That actually lets me kind of breathe a little easier if God cares about my money. Here's some miracles of money in the Bible. Um, we all love the miracles of the Bible. I just want to show you how much God cares about your money. John 2, 5 through 10. Uh, you know the story of when Jesus turned water to wine, right? Everybody know that story? Uh, that's a great story. And uh, Jesus shows up to a wedding. They run out of wine. It's an embarrassment for the family to run out of wine. So the Bible says that Jesus' mom gets him and he commands the servants to go. And there's six water pots, six giant water pots with 30 gallons of water in each one. And Jesus commands the servants to go take some of the water and draw it out and take it to the master ceremonies. And he takes a little bit of the water to the master ceremonies. The Bible says as the guy was walking, it actually turns into wine. The master ceremonies tastes the water. He tastes the wine at that point. And he's like, dang, Jesus. <laughs> you, kept the, you made the best for last. You, you, you brought the choice wine out last. Most people bring the cheap stuff out first. Come on, partiers, where y'all at? Or excuse me, most people bring the good stuff out first. Most people bring the, the choice stuff out first and bring the Pabst Blue Ribbon out last. But Jesus, you brought out the Maker's Mark first. What'd you do? Some of y'all gonna leave the church. That's okay, we're not religious here. <laughs> you brought out that 200... <laughs> 50-year scotch, you brought the good stuff out last? That doesn't make any sense. God, God does a miracle with the wine, right? He does choice wine. The Bible says it's choice wine. Run the math with me. It wasn't just a, a, a wine miracle. It was a money miracle. I mean, if you had six gallons that held, six pots that hold 30 gallons each, if you have 750 milliliters in a bottle of wine, how would I know that? 750 milliliters in a bottle of wine. And, and it's a choice bottle, so that's probably a $25 bottle of wine back then. If you, if you take five of those bottles to make a gallon, that's, that's $125 per gallon. And then you times that out by how many gallons were there. That's a $22,000 to $25,000 miracle at a minimum. God cared about the, the financial budget of a family and what kind of choice wine they served to their, their community and their friends and cared that it was decent and nice and their reputation. And he did so much so that he did a miracle of about a $25,000 miracle for them. And then, and then he makes the, the food. He multiplies the little boy's food. We know the story. It's a beautiful story. It's a miracle. We never think about it from the money side. The disciples did. Remember, he's like, where are we going to feed him? Jesus like, feed them all. And the disciples go, and they're like, Lord. And they try to talk him out of it. They're like, Lord, there wouldn't, there, there would, it would take a half a year's wage to give everybody one bite of bread is what Jesus said. That miracle was $150,000 to a $200,000 miracle that day. Peter's going, 
to the temple and doesn't have any money to pay the temple tax, and he's a businessman, and he's got a reputation. Jesus said, look, it's okay. Go fish and catch a fish, and there'll be uh, taxes in its mouth. He goes and he fishes. He catches, and there's a gold coin in the fish's mouth. We hear the story. It's not just a fishing miracle. It's a money miracle. Jesus cares about your money. He cares about your business. He cares about your taxes. He cares about your reputation. He cares about you supplying. He cares about the choiceness of your life. He wants you to enjoy all things richly. I'm, I'm, tr- I'm, I'm just... I want you to know how much he cares about it so that when I give you the plan, you're not going to shut me off or go, you know what, I can't, I can't do that because God wants to get involved. Amen. Two ways for you to see finances today. Only two ways you'll see it ever, your whole entire life. You're either an owner or you're a steward. It's only two ways. You own it or you're a steward of it. If you're an owner, you're going to do your plan. If you're an owner, you're going to do it your way. If you own it all and you worked hard for it all and it's all yours, you're gonna do what you want. But if you're a steward, you're gonna do his plan. If you're a steward, you're gonna work it his way. If you're a steward, you're gonna decide, you know what, God, I'm stewarding this. I'm not gonna carry the pressure. If he's the owner, he carries the pressure. Being being a steward takes the pressure off of me. God made us stewards in Genesis 1. Genesis, it says that God in the beginning was God and he created the heavens and the earth. He created everything. He owns everything. And listen, he maintained ownership of everything. And then in verse 26, he says, let us make man in our image and let them have dominion. Right there, he said, let them rule. Let them have dominion. That can mean management. Let them have management of the earth. You and I are God's management system of heaven's resources. That's all we are. And so we actually get to manage. But God never relinquished ownership. He only actually delegated management and dominion and authority so that we could manage it well for God on the behalf of heaven. And those resources are still his. Psalms 24.1 says this, the earth is the Lord's. And all its fullness. Everybody say, all its fullness. The earth is the Lord's and all its fullness. The world and all those who dwell therein. That means everything. That means you. You are God's. You. It's easy when, as a kid. You don't have to teach a kid. Mine, 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 me, mine. Call it the me, me bird. Me, 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 mine, mine, me. You don't have to teach a kid that. That's just natural. in our. But with God, no, 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 no. That's not who we are with God. With God, it's all his. It's all yours. Lord, it's yours. Corinthians says that you are the Lord's. You're the temple of the Lord. Deuteronomy 8, 17. Let me just teach you for a few minutes. Deuteronomy 8, 17 through 18. Then you say in your heart, Moses is speaking, my power and the might of my hand have gained me this wealth. Verse 18. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth. And he established his covenant, which he swore for you, for your fathers to this day. What this verse is saying is Moses is going, hey, don't think that you had the ability to do all this. Like, you, you, like, God is the one that gives you the ability, I love what it says, to establish wealth, to create wealth. One translation says God will give you witty inventions and creative ideas for businesses so you can establish the covenant in the earth. Why? To establish the covenant. What's that? It's the gospel that you jumped into by some place that you heard the word, that you came into a house of God and there was food and there was blessing and you were impacting a community. God said, would you get wealth? I want you to have a mindset that you create wealth so that you can plant the covenant of the gospel in the planet. That's how important the gospel is to Jesus. He wants to make you wealthy so that you can actually extend and plant the covenant, but he doesn't want you and I to actually think that we did it in our own ability. I want worry-free finances. I want debt-free living for you. I want, I want you to walk out of here. We have a finance class. You can go to Connection today and sign up for it. There's free. There's, no, there's nothing, nothing you've got to buy. You've got finances, and, and you can six-week class. A great guy just taught it. He teaches it twice in a row. It's a six-week class, so if you need help with that, we want to give that to you where you can go, you know what? I want to get some help and some wisdom around this because I want to see generational change for you and your family. You know every American on average has $16,000 of debt. 
I want to see God do some miracles and radical things for us in this next season. And I believe that we have to do it his way and understand his way. I am not an owner. I am a steward. You get to ask yourself, are you an owner or are you a steward? Some of you get so defensive about it and so taboo about it and so a little bit, a little bit upset about it right now. You're like, I might not come to church for the next three weeks for this side hustle series. <laughs> so, some, here's why. Because you see yourself as an owner. We get defensive, but, but here's the thing. Listen to me. You see yourself as provider. Can I tell you that God said he was provider? Jehovah Jireh. We sing the song Jireh, right? God said in Genesis, that's from the Bible, Genesis. He said, I'm provider. Here's the deal. If you're provider, you have to be protector. I'm not saying don't get a job. Get a job, work hard. Go get, get, get trained, get educated, be wise. Do everything you know to do. Work, 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 please. The Bible says if you don't work, you don't eat. If you don't work, you don't eat. That's what Paul said. Paul said, if you don't supply for your family, you're worse than an infidel, worse than an unbeliever. We, don't, we like to leave all those verses out. Paul says, if you don't supply, if you don't work hard, but you're not provider, you're steward. He's provider. It takes the pressure off of me. It takes the protector off. I don't have to protect. I don't have to hold the pressure. He's the one. He, he's the owner. I'm the steward. Come on. The next time you got that business deal that falls through and you're worried about it, you need to say, you know what? I'm not the owner, God. When you hear inflation reports and you hear business reports and you hear the economy reports and you hear all this stuff, God, thank God you're the owner and I'm the steward. Next time you go into that job interview and you're carrying all the pressure and you got the sweats and you got a little anxiety and you start to worry and your heart starts to pound a little bit and you say, you know what, God, I've prepared, I've done my best, but God, you're the provider and if you want me to have this job, you're the protector and you are the one, God, you own this. Next time the business deal falls through or you're worried about a layoff in your industry, come on, I'm, I'm giving you permission. Just take this little phrase right here. Let this save your life. God, I'm thankful that you're the owner. I'm not. I don't have to defend this, God. This begins to take the pressure off of me and off of you. It begins to allow God to say, you know what? I can get involved in that because they're just putting their hand out to me and they're allowing me to own it. They're allowing me to be the supplier and the resourcer. Is this helping anybody today? I just, I just pray that over the next few weeks that you could radically understand how God wants you to, to be a steward of your resources. And church doesn't, I just, I just need to make everything. I mean, we're good financially. We're up 30% this year. We're up 12% this year right now in giving. So praise God. I mean, we're giving money away. I'm trying to figure out how to give money away. We buy food. We give money away. We give a couple, 160,000 pounds of food away. We've given away, you've given away $185,000 this year, I think, already, like, like to ministries around the world. So again, I'm not, I'm not sharing this because I think we're, we have this big need. I just know what God wants from your heart. And I would go so far to say that when you sometimes feel like I'm disconnected or distant from God, the Bible says where your treasure is, there your heart is. I have people, they'll come to me all the time, they'll say, I just feel distant from God. I don't feel like I hear him. I say, are you a tither? Do you tithe? And they're like, no. I'm like, you probably feel distant because your heart's not all in financially. What do you mean? But that's what the Bible says. The Bible says tithe. Not me, the Bible. And so like a lot of times we feel distant because we're not fully invested in what God asks us to be invested in. Again, I'm not, I'm not trying. There's no offering today. I'm just, I just want to see your life with God go to a level that you could never imagine it could go to. And you could watch him get involved in your resources in a way that you could never imagine he'd get involved in. 
And I believe that when you say, okay, God, I'm going to do your plan. We're going to talk about the plan next week. Things begin to shift and change. So I want to pray for you today. We have a resource for you out at our connection area if you need to sign up for some financial help and get some blessing like that. But I would encourage you that, hey, God, you own it all. It's not mine. It's yours. I don't own anything. I'm not going to allow anything to compete for my heart. Here's the reality. If God owns everything, you own nothing. It's definitely like, that's kind of scary. It's like, all right, I worked hard for this. He owns it all. He owns your cars. He owns your house. He owns this building. He owns these clothes. He owns my retirement account. He, it's all his. He owns my business. He owns my family. He owns my kids. That's what the Bible says. We read it quickly, don't we? We skim it. You own it all, Lord. It's all yours. Thank you for everything you've given me. Thank you for the resources you've allowed me to steward. Would you help us as a church? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your kingdom. Thank you that you weren't scared to talk about money, that you knew it was the number one competitor for our heart. You said we can't serve God and mammon. You didn't say God and the devil which would have made sense. We can't serve God in money. You knew money would compete for our heart. And I pray today, Lord, that there be no competitor, that you be first and foremost in every area. I pray for conviction. I pray for faith. I, don't, I pray against condemnation. No one would leave here and go, man, I'm just not good enough. No, 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 no. I pray for faith. I pray that we start right where we are. I pray we start with you a baby step, right where we are today. Lord, there's no condemnation, Lord. But I know with all my heart, with all of my life, with all of my experience, God, that you're involved in our finances and that you care about the success and the wealth and the generations of our families. And I pray that you give us a mindset shift today about generational wealth and generational biblical blessing, God, and that we would do it your way. I pray today that we could be, maybe be free. Maybe today, someone, that one statement that, that I owe nothing. If you owe everything, God, we owe nothing. I pray that would free somebody today. I pray that would take off anxiety right now. I pray that worry right now would come off somebody. I pray that the thought about divorce or the communication about money or the stress or the, the, just the, the deal that just fell through, I pray, oh God, that you would just get involved right now and that all of the worry, all of that, God, that we are more than enough because you're the owner and that you would get involved, Lord, right now. Set someone free from fear right now. The economy, the job, that industry, you own it. You own it, God. We give you glory and honor today. And we just say, we'll be faithful stewards. We'll be faithful servants. Well done. Well done, Transformation Church. Well done, good and faithful servant, Jamie. Well done. Well done. Thank you, Father, that we would lay up a firm foundation in an eternal age as we work to do good works and share with those in need. Just for another second, no one looking around, if you're in this room or you're watching online right now, every week we give people an opportunity to make Jesus their Lord and their Savior. Can I tell you today that maybe you've been running from God and you're here in this place, you don't have to run any further. That you can run to God today, that he's not mad at you, he's madly in love with you. If you're watching online, the Bible says that Jesus came to this planet, died a horrific death to take your sin, your guilt, my shame, my guilt, my mistakes. He nailed it all to a tree, died horrifically, and rose from the dead to give me a brand new eternal life and invite me into the family of God. To give me what he calls a fresh start in God. The Bible says anyone that calls on the name of Jesus shall be saved. 
Some of you, the most generous thing you could do today, I'm talking about giving finances, the most generous thing you could do today is give God your sin. Give God your, your mistakes. Give God the failures today. Maybe you've been holding him, you've been hiding him, you've been running from him, and you think he's mad. No, 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 no. He wants you to give it to him. You know, the only thing God doesn't have is sin. It's the only thing you can give him that he doesn't have. It's the only thing he asks you to give him that way. Father, I thank you that you took all that on the cross. No shame, no judgment. The Bible says if you would give your life to Jesus, you get a fresh start in God. If you're watching online right now, would you just type in fresh start? If you know today's your day, you've been running, you're ready to run back to God. You're watching from wherever you're watching from, right there. That's a holy place, right there where you're watching. Would you just type in fresh start? I need a fresh start with God. I'm ready to surrender my life to Jesus. I want him to be my Lord and my leader. I can't do this on my own. I'm not provider. I'm not savior. I'm not protector. Jesus is. I'm ready to give my life to him. Just type in fresh start. And then in this room, if you're in here and you say, Pastor, I've been running. I'm ready to run back to him. Maybe you came to him years ago and you've walked away. Today's your day to come back to him. Maybe you've never given your life to him, trusted him for salvation. Today's your day. I'm not going to judge you or bring you forward or stand you up. Heads bowed, eyes closed. If you'd say, Pastor, I need a fresh start with God. Would you, would you slip your hand up to me right now boldly and high so I can pray for you? I need a fresh start with God today. Thank you for your courage. Thank you for your boldness. I need a fresh start. I'm ready to give Jesus my life today. I'm not waiting another day. I'm not running one more second. Just give you another second. Anybody else? I need him today. Awesome. I'm gonna pray a prayer with us. There's no magic in my words. It's just a prayer of surrender. Come on, people getting saved as we talk about finances. Come on, somebody. That's Jesus. Father, thank you for sending your son, Jesus. Jesus, thank you for being the most gracious and generous king we've ever known. We believe that you came to this planet and died a death on a tree to take our sin, shame, and guilt, past, present, and future. You took all of it. You settled the score once and for all. You're not mad at us. You're madly in love with us. You proved it on that cross. And God, I thank you. You didn't just stop on that tree. You rose from the dead. And I believe that you did that to give me a brand new heart, to give me a fresh start, and to give me eternal life. Holy Spirit, fill me today and give me the power to serve Jesus the rest of my life. In Jesus' matchless name. Come on, let's give God praise in this place. People saying yes to Jesus in here. Thank you for listening to another Transformation Church sermon podcast. If you would like someone to pray with you, or if you would like some ministry materials, please email us at hello at transformationchurch.us.